Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dallas Comedy Club podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly Alou, and I am here today with the very funny stand-up comedian and improviser, Miss Lucy Perry. Thank you so much Hello. for being here. Thanks for having me. Lucy uh, is a member of a Dallas Comedy Club house team or club team, as we call them, uh, third degree. And you all do an improvised murder mystery. Is that right? We do. We do. It's a super fun format where we come out, we ask for a location, and then we proceed to figure out who was the murderer. And we don't know. And that's the whole thing. It's a journey for the audience. And it's for us as as well, because we don't know until the end really what's happening. Do you, um, now before this, because, you know, I'm obviously new to Dallas, mm-hmm. um, and from what I can tell, the the improv scene here was very limited, if, if mm-hmm. I may speak frankly. It, it felt like we were only doing maybe one or two forms, like a montage and a Ewing, yeah. I believe, was the big thing here yeah. before. There were a lot of, that's what they taught. So, mm-hmm. so at Dallas Comedy House... Um, which I can't speak for any other places because there are some other places in Dallas that do improv. Uh, there's some other theaters. As far as here, what we were taught was the Ewing. There were troops that did other formats, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of them, they were coached on the side. They figured them out their, themselves, but they we didn't teach any um, additional forms except for Ewing and montage. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, there's... There's, uh, you know, flexibility in that where people were able to kind of say, okay, let's form our own troops. Um, But as a new person coming straight out of class, it was like, well, how do I get to do those forms? And how do I learn how to do those forms? But I, you know, I just finished classes when when the shutdown happened. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of right on the cusp of maybe moving into that but i would say as as far as what the curriculum here was yeah they were we were only learning one one very basic format which right. you know i think is that you kind of have to have that foundation Absolutely. to move forward. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, it's so important to just have some, if everybody starts at the same level, mm-hmm. that's how you can like build the cool house, yes. right? Yeah. Awesome. Well, Lucy, I'm like so curious to get to know more about you as a performer and a comedian. So I'm going to dive right in here. I want to know what is your earliest comedic memory? Um, and that can be like a show you remember seeing or a stand up set you remember seeing, um, but just that like really early yeah. comedy moment. So I always loved stand-up, and I had two parents who were very young when they had me. So they were 21, 22 when they had me. So, And I was born in 74, so what everyone knows... What is your skincare routine? What the (laughs) fuck? What? So uh, Saturday Night Live came out, you know, the year that I was born, and my parents were in their early 20s, and we always watched SNL, and they always watched it, and we always made references to it, so... And then we would watch, like, the stand-up specials that were on HBO. And um, I think even, like, Nickelodeon would have stand-ups. And I loved comedy. And um, when I was in the fourth grade, I moved to a new school, and they did a talent show every six weeks. So the first six weeks, I was just kind of sitting around, you know, figuring out, you know, what, what do they do? What is this about? Again, this is, like, 84. So... Lots of Madonna, (laughs) lots of Cyndi Lauper, lots of Duran Duran lip syncing, people doing gymnastics routines, things like that. And so for the second six weeks, I decided, brand new to the school, nobody really knows me, I decided to do a stand-up routine. 
And my material came from friends in our neighborhood. We would get together, and this is also really going to date me, we would make cassette tapes. Oh, my God. So whereas kids now make videos and, uh, and TikToks and stuff like that, what we did is we had our cassette player, we had a blank tape, we put it in, and we would just riff and we would just talk and sometimes we'd do skits and voices so you were the original like, podcaster yeah, maybe <laughs> um but i loved doing that and so i we just had little funny things that was, it was almost like a radio show like we'd have sound effects so i took stuff from that and i did a stand-up routine as a fourth grader and i did it a couple of different times and then at the end of the year i was like well what what am i going to do for the big talent show and I did a one one woman performance of Goldilocks and the Three Bears with props <laughs> where I would like do a line and I'd take the hat off and I'd run to the other side of the stage and put the wig on and then I was Goldilocks and then I would run to another chore as Mama Bear and I got huge laughs and you know it was it gave me a lot of like clout yeah. in school and and i can remember being outside and these sixth grade boys going past my house and they're like hey were you in the talent show <laughs> and i go yeah i was and they're like you're really funny and i was like oh thanks thanks sixth graders and and, and i was like oh so this is my thing so i'm funny and the next year, my parents took me out of that school and put me in private school where I just kind of lost my moxie. Yeah. And it was just a different kind of environment. They, you know, different kinds of kids. Uh, everyone had a lot of money and we didn't. Just so, out of curiosity, was it um, like a like a Catholic private school? No, no not religious no, at all? No, it was just, not just religious. It was just a private school. And... Um, you know, I think my parents were just like, oh, this will be good. This is this is a good thing. But when you don't have a lot of money, but you throw your kid in a school where everyone has a lot of money, um, you can't help but just kind of sink. And I just kind of just remember going like, oh, like, I don't have a Gucci purse. Like, mm. I don't. I, these kids are having birthday parties where they rent out a country club yeah like I don't know how this I, I this is not my world so um, it took me a long time to kind of regain any amount of confidence and then when I got to junior high I, I left that school went into you know back to public school and then did speech and debate and things like that and back um, in front of an audience back again. in front of an audience but I never you know, I think a lot of people assume I probably was in drama, but I didn't do any plays because I would try to audition things for things and I never got it. So I I found speech where I just got to pick my category, my event, and just go to a tournament and do it on my own. So I got very good at just being by myself on stage. And that's it's so funny mm -hmm. to, to hear you say that because, you know, I, I get to watch you every Wednesday night with your team, and um, I find you to be such a, an amazing team player mm -hmm. with, with your improv troupe. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's just, and I, you know, I don't think there's much crossover uh, between, like, really good stand-ups and really mm -hmm. good improvisers, and I think you're really good at both. Oh, and so, thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. I mean, and that's, it's the truth, because I've seen you do stand-up, I've seen you uh, perform improv a lot, and... Um, they are such different art mm -hmm. forms, 
And um, a lot of the times, as you said, you know, stand-up is very solo. Uh, You're up there Mm -hmm. all by yourself. You're writing your material. It's a totally Mm -hmm. different thing than playing in the moment, building something with a team. So I I give you a lot of credit to be able to sort of like shift gears in your Mm -hmm. mind, I imagine. Like, okay, well, Mm -hmm. stand-up versus improv. I (laughs) love the ensemble. I I love it. And again, um, I just found it so frustrating to not be picked for things. Yeah. And so I could either be like, well... No, I, oh, I auditioned for the Crucible. I didn't get that. I, I auditioned for the, I auditioned uh, for South Pacific, and I didn't get that. And I auditioned for Steel Magnolias, and I didn't get that. So I just was like, well, I'm just gonna find a way to perform on my own. Yeah. And um, but no, I and I've always wanted to to do more acting, but then that insecurity kind of starts to creep in where you're like, well, I don't want to audition for something. And I didn't, I always, I was very realistic in knowing like, well, if I audition for South Pacific, I'm never going to be Nellie Forbush. Mm -hmm. Like that's not, I'm not going to get cast in these really wonderful, important roles that I would want to do. I'm going to be, you know, the mom or the maid or the grandmother Mm -hmm. or, you know, I'm not going to. So I was very realistic in that. And I just didn't know enough to know that there's a whole wide range of things that I could do and play. But, you know, when when you're young and you're kind of told no a lot, you're like, okay, I I didn't have, like, this huge support system behind yeah. me that was like, go for it. We're going to send you to theater camp, you know. Yeah. I was everything I was ever in. I was in, like, the chorus. I was in the background. And uh, so I was like, okay, if, if I want to do anything that is – going to be recognized I've got to do it by myself Hell so yeah. that's kind of where, and that's kind of where my love of stand-up came from and I it was something that I saw and I was like I think I could do that that blows my mind I, I watch stand do that I watch stand-up I'm like I could never do that oh, I'm so just, scared no. it's so scary to like be yourself mm-hmm. and write jokes what yeah. so I mean and it, it's it's amazing again to kind of hear you talk about this and I'm curious just to backtrack for a second um, you know, you said that you didn't have this huge support system. Were your parents and are your parents supportive of like your comedy life and, and pursuing this world? Because it's not yeah. an easy world to be in. So, um, so not to be a downer. So my parents have both passed away. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's okay. But my mother, my mother's side of the family is very musical and they are all performers. And I think that's another thing. It was very normal Mm -hmm. for us to get on stage. It was very normal to put on shows. We sang after dinner. It was very normal to do that. My um, first, you know, auditions that I ever did for any kind of musical theater, my grandmother went with me and was my accompanist. And they, everything I ever did, they would, you know, we were fully prepared but, again, I would audition for all these things, and I would never get cast in anything because yeah. I was kind of this little weird chubby girl. And um, so I think – and then my mom passed away when I was 17. But my mom was a musician and a singer and a songwriter. I have an uncle who is a professional musician. I had wow. another uncle who was a professional musician. So there's a lot of showmen in our family. And so I think that was another thing. I was like, well, that's normal. I should never be afraid to get on stage. That's just what we do. Right. But I do feel like if my mom were alive now, she'd get a real kick out of this. And I, <laughs> I think so. But I think she also just didn't know how to support me because 
you know, it was the 90s. It's not like we had the internet like, okay, well, hey, if you want to do this, let's go find this theater camp. It was, we're very limited. We lived in Arlington. Mm-hmm. It was like, well, you can, you know, I, I auditioned for everything that was around there. There's a children's theater art school there, but, mm, you know, it was, a. I remember my mom being like, it's just too much. Like, it's like the people are too much. Yeah. And so I didn't get to do that. And, you know, because my whole family, it, it's kind of like, we've got food at home. They're like, we can put on a show at home. We don't need, you don't need to do that. And so, and then kind of the heartbreak of watching your kid, like, try really hard at things yeah. and not get it. So I think she would she would get a real kick out of this and she would love it. And if she were here, then, yeah, she would 100% support at anything yeah. I was doing now. Hell so. yeah. I mean, I love, um, uh, earlier today, Lucy came in with her husband and her, and her son, Sam. <laughs> and Sam uh, is easily one of the cutest children I've <laughs> ever is. encountered. Uh, I'll be honest with you, Lucy, I don't normally like other people's kids. <laughs> I really like Sam. Um, and I can feel the creativity that must go on in your household. Because, oh. folks, listen, uh, Sam got here and he was immediately like telling me about the monsters that he drew at school. <laughs> and then he was like, can we go to the stage? And we were like, heck yeah, we can go to the stage. <laughs> uh, so we hit the stage, and I'll post a, a video after this episode comes out, um, with your permission, yes, obviously, of, of Sam making his grand entrance yeah. onto the main stage. And um, honestly, it was it's really incredible to watch. I'm an, I'm an aunt. I have two nieces, two nephews, and um, I'm one of five kids, so it's from different siblings. And so watching my nieces and nephews grow up in the different households, mm-hmm. it's so interesting to see which one of my siblings embraces the creative weirdness yes. and which ones don't and how mm-hmm. different my nieces and nephews are as yeah. a result. And I think you're doing a smash up job because yeah. that kid is going to be so prepared for life. Honestly, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. He's so dang cute. And he's got that like, oh, look at me. Yeah. And that's, a t- I think that is so important and I hope the world doesn't squash that. Yeah. Right. We all started that yeah. way. I think of yes. like, look at me. And then the yeah. world slowly is like, yeah. No, don't look yeah. at this person. Yeah. yeah. And I think also in my family, you know, I kind of got told, because everyone was so musical, I always kind of got told, like, you're amazing. You're so great. You have a great voice. And then I'd go audition for something and, like, didn't get it. And it wasn't necessarily because I wasn't a talented little kid. It was because, well, you know, I went to a private school where people paid a lot of money for yeah. tu- for tuition, and it's like their kids got to be in the spring show. And so, who uh, gave the biggest donation? Yeah, this year. exactly. Yeah. So, you know, but it never deterred me. Mm-hmm. That's the weird thing. Like, I tried to play sports and was not great at sports, <laughs> and I was like, I'm done with sports. But this, I was never deterred from, yeah. and it was just kind of something that I gave up for a really long time. Do you have a moment in your life where you you can almost pinpoint, like, this is the moment that I decided to pursue comedy? Yes. What is that moment? So I kind of got through college and afterwards, and I did a few little things. Like, I did a performance of the Vagina Monologues Mm -hmm. at UTA. Oh, yeah. But I just put a lot of it to the side because I was kind of a very lonely single person and I really (laughs) my friends were all married and having babies and buying houses and I was like I am behind the curve here and so um and also I just didn't know of any outlets so fast forward I meet my husband we have this wonderful family I got pregnant at 42 
which is stupid, but I did it <laughs> and had a baby at 43. And right after Sam turned one year old, I was very much in this, this new mom kind of routine where it was just like baby home ba- or baby work home, baby dinner, baby work home sleep baby and it was just it never ended and I have a a stepson as well and he was a junior and he plays baseball so my husband was gone a lot doing a lot of baseball stuff and so it was me and Sam at home a lot and I just kind of got to this point not where I was breaking down but I said to myself if I don't do something else I am really gonna fall there's potential to fall into that dark place. And I wasn't there, but I thought I've got to find an outlet and a community because um, my sister lives in San Antonio. Um, You know, a lot of my friends are kind of scattered all over. So I didn't have a really tight community around where we lived. So I said, I remember sitting up, it was one night and I I was like, okay, I'm going to do something. I'm either going to take a writing class, an acting class or a comedy class. And so I started looking up and I was like, well, if I take a writing class, I'm going to have to do homework and I don't have the time for that. I looked up acting classes and it was like, okay, well, here's one for $500, you know, that's being taught by someone who did two episodes of Walker, Texas Ranger and CSI <laughs> and like a Campbell Soup commercial. And I was like, I don't want to do that either. And so then I, I, I also was like, well... I'd love to do like a stand-up or a sketch class, but then again, I don't want to write. I don't have time to do any writing. So improv it was. So I just Googled Dallas improv classes, and DCH was the first thing that pulled up, and they had a class that was starting in two weeks. And I said, okay, and I just did it. I remember walking into the bedroom going, I'm going to start an improv class. It Don't worry. It's just going to be one day a week for like six weeks, and that's it. And then that's how it started. Flash forward to several years later. Two years. I mean, two. It's been two years. I kind of got drawn. And because at first I was like, oh, I'm just going to do level one and two. And then I'm going to move to sketch. And I just, you know. And then I was. And what happens to everyone? You get in a class with a ton of people you love. And we all went all the way through to level six. And we graduated. And then they shut the club down. Yeah. So. So that's what it was. It was really this one night, and I just said, I've got, if I've seen too many people go down this road of new parenthood where they just lose themselves. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to do something proactive about it. And, and here, and then I found a community and found something I was good at. And that embraced you for who you are, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think that's what, the big reason I fell so much in love with improv and comedy in general Mm -hmm. is there the community is incredible Mm -hmm. and and with improv there really is such a a joy in embracing your own weirdness and understanding that like wow there's going to be a lot of people who are so differently weird than you but when your weirdness all gets in a room together Mm -hmm. it's like magic Mm -hmm. ah god I love it and I think I'm still because I still feel like I'm relatively new I'm still because when you when you start you you still have such an idea of who you are and you're trying to hone your skill and trying to get better at at your own performance. And it's I don't know that I've totally gotten to that place where I can just let go 
yeah. of all that and just be in, in it. Because when you see really, really good improvisers who are just in it and they're not worried and they're not worried about making the right move and they're not worried about saying the right thing and they're not, that's really where that magic happens. And I don't think I'm quite there yet. I think yeah. I'm getting there, but it just, it's like anything else. It takes reps, you know. Yeah, I those... talk about improv way more than I get to do it. <laughs> we all do. Uh, no, I mean, I, it's like you got to put in your 10,000 hours. That's mm -hmm. what I, I, I say that to everybody. Like, I, I've been doing this for a decade, and I still have days where I'm like, I was in my head mm -hmm. the whole time. Yeah. Um, and it's, it is, it, it's constant reps, constant practice, mm -hmm. and if you can let go of a judgment on yourself, bravo. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I think there are like three people in the world who have done that, mm -hmm. you know. I'm curious if you have a favorite moment on stage, like something whether you, as a stand-up or an improviser where you still kind of revisit when you're um, having a bad day or you're like, you know what, I just want to relive that high. I know it's a tough question. It's a tough question. Or, or you know, least favorite moment. I feel like we remember the bad moments a lot more often yeah, than the good moments. I mean, but. listen, and I've told everyone, I've seen some really great improv in this building, and I've seen some really terrible <laughs> improv in this building. Uh, I've been a part of some really terrible improv in this building. I think the, the really fun moments for me is when I, I jump out on stage and do something that I didn't think I could do before. And in, in our previous version of this theater, I was on one of the house teams and we had someone said something about a pet koala and I jumped out on stage and sat in this person's lap and pulled out an Australian accent, which I'd never done before. I want to hear and it. And I was, I don't think I could do it now. <laughs> I think I just did it on stage and just came out and said, hey, how's it going? And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, I'm doing the thing. I'm doing the thing where I just heard the suggestion of a koala, and I jumped out. And um, I remember feeling really proud of myself. Like, yeah. oh, I wasn't in my head. I, it, I didn't think about it. I just spontaneously went out there and did an accent that I had never practiced. And it was not good. No. But it was it, – but it – it was like, oh, oh, that. So I remember that feeling really good about. It. We had some great moments in my old, my old team. We had some bad ones, but we had some that were just really, really funny. But um, unfortunately, we had to. Our yeah. time ended as well. So, um, well, they can come back. Yeah, you know. Well, a lot of them are back. That's some, good. A lot of some of them are back, and. As far as really bad moments, oh, we don't have to stage. go down we that road. <laughs> yeah, we can just. I don't need it. They, they've existed yeah. and they're gone forever. But the, that's the. That's also kind of when people are like, "Oh, do you tape your improv?" And I go, "No, I don't. I want it to be like frat parties in the '90s. There are no records of any of the things I did, and that's the beauty of it. That it's gone and we forget it, mm -hmm. and maybe we'll remember it. I know that I have gone up to people who are seasoned performers here and gone up and been like, I went to this show of yours when I was in level one and you did this and that because it is etched in my mm -hmm. brain of things that I've seen. And they're like, I do not remember it. But it is they are things that inspired me to keep going like, oh, my gosh, you know, this person is so good. Like Emily G is so oh, love her. good. And I want to be as good is Emily and Bonnie and Sally. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to be that good, so that's why I'm going to keep going to classes. So there have been moments that I have seen in in this building where I've gone up now I, I, two years later and been like, I just want you to know, 
you did this in a scene that I saw, and it. I still re- recall those scenes where I go, God, I hope I'm able to do that. And you're doing it right now. That's the <laughs> thing. So. But you are. I mean, I, I really like the club teams are all so talented. And I am like, you know, I'm so excited that like every show, every team is doing a, a different thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've little baby Emery, who I, mm-hmm. I love so much. Mm-hmm. He's a level one student here at DCC right now. Um, and he shows up to like every improv show with his notebook. Yes. And he takes notes and he's sitting there. He goes to class on Sundays with Rachel and he'll like read from his notebook mm-hmm. about the things that really worked and what didn't work. And I'm like, yes, this is the level of nerddom that I had when I started mm-hmm. that I'm sure you had when you started where maybe mm-hmm. you didn't have the notebook, but you were logging yes. those moments of holy shit. Yes. This this is what I aspire yes. to. Um, mm-hmm. And I just find that so damn cool. Mm-hmm. I, I'm curious, you know, there we don't have, there are some, but there are not a lot of performers here who are parents. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder what being a parent is like <laughs> in, in the process of not only being an improviser, but being a stand-up. Does it impact it's, your writing? Yes. Yeah. It impa- well, it impacts everything. It impacts scheduling. I mean, just to the... To the bare basics of it. I mean, just aligning schedules with my husband. <laughs> and I'm very lucky that I have a partner because, you know, if you're if I were a single parent, I don't know how I would do this. Yeah. Um, which I think is a real bummer because you're I think especially in stand up, especially in stand up because those nights are late and, you know, I want to be at home with my kid at night. But then I'm like, well, I got to get on stage and it's. It's that's a difficult balance, and and it's a bummer because I think there's a lot of people out there who would be able to to do so much and and be and be so good. They just if if you don't have the money for babysitters mm-hmm. or you don't have a support system, you just simply cannot do it. So I'm very fortunate um, that I'm able to get up here as often as I can, and I'm not going to say that my husband doesn't roll his eyes and doesn't say <laughs> you've been gone four nights this week you know and the thing is when you have a toddler they take a lot of time the like 11 year olds don't take as much time at night but this one it's it's very intensive and, and it has been for the last two years that I've done this so it definitely impacts the knowledge that you have because so much of imp- improvisation is, taking your real life and taking all of that experience that you have and then being able to, you know, project it on stage. So, like, I have way too much knowledge of terrible YouTube children programming (laughs) that no one else in my team has, you know. So it's kind of here and there. It's like I don't know if I came out and started talking about, you know, Steve and Maggie Mm -hmm. or Coco Melon or Blippi, like – there are is a very like no one in my team's gonna know what that is. People mommy in the finger, audience, mommy, mommy finger, finger, where yes, are you? all the time. So you end up gaining all of this new information, and I think yes, you can absolutely use it on stage. It definitely impacts my writing. My marriage impacts my writing, and and it I mean so much of my of my stand up is about my husband. I really want. Writing stand-up is hard. Yeah. It's really, really hard. And the people who do it really well, I my hat goes off to you. Because I've only been doing stand-up since May. And I know where I want those stories to go. Mm-hmm. But I still, 
I still struggle sometimes to get them on the page. Do you write every day? Or, or is it a hit to. or miss thing? It's a hit or miss. I, I definitely think about bits. Mm-hmm. Do I write them down always? No. Do mm-hmm. I try to make a note about it? Yes. If it really is something that keeps coming back to me, then I will write it down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also, I have very undiagnosed ADHD. So if, if the deadline isn't now, the deadline is never. Right. So I had a show last night where I had to have three new minutes. I wrote that literally, I finished writing it during my work day yesterday because if the deadline isn't now, the deadline does, doesn't exist. Right. So um, I'm really bad about, <laughs> about So do doing not that. follow in Lucy's footsteps, No, folks, don't right? do that. Write every no, day. You should write every day, and you have to be okay with writing poorly every did you day. Ever, did you ever take a stand-up class? I did. Yeah. I took it over during the pandemic. Yeah. So I took Dean Lewis's. Oh, Dean is which great. Which is, um, you know, Dean, for anyone who doesn't know, is a very well-known stand-up comic in the Dallas area and has been doing his stand-up class for over 20 years here. So anyone you talk to in Dallas who has been doing comedy for any amount of time, most of them have taken Dean's class. Mm-hmm. And anyone who's pretty successful. Most they they have taken Dean's class, yeah, and a, a lot of people will do both. They'll take stand up here, or they'll take they'll take it with Dean, and then they'll take it other places. And you know, I think that there's is that there's different opinions about taking a class. Can taking a class teach you like how to be a stand up? No, but it can teach you the fundamentals and whether or not you necessarily share the same kind of sense of humor as your teacher Mm -hmm. you just have to know that hey i'm going to take this raw information and and some of these formulas and then i'm going to make my own stuff because when i was taking class i would get frustrated with this i didn't know any better but i'd be like "Ugh, we're just doing these formulated jokes and i don't like them and then i would watch some comedy central clips of people i really liked and i'd go oh there's that there's that that formula. Oh, I see how. Oh, set up, set up, punch, tag, tag, tag. That's Jim Gaffigan all day long. And yeah. you don't realize that because you don't know how to finesse it. And so when you see someone else finesse it and you're paying attention and you're watching some really great comics, you go, oh, they're all using those same techniques. I've got to be a better writer. Mm-hmm. So it can't teach you how to write. It can teach you how to begin that journey it can't teach you stage presence Mm -mm. i am an alien and my husband says it all the time you're going backwards i've i have a weirdly confident stage presence that i have in no other aspect of my life but i know i can be on stage and and i can deliver it's not going to be the marvelous mrs mazel every time um because i really shit the bed at that riff mic the other (laughs) night. But um, most of the time, I get off feeling really good, and I've heard Ricky Gervais say I've never bombed because Ricky Gervais just believes in his material. Yeah. And he goes, I didn't bomb. What I said is funny. If you didn't think it was funny, I don't care. And I've kind of taken some of that also. Like, if you don't think I'm funny, there's something wrong. Yeah. I don't want to say there's something wrong, but I... I'm objectively, my material is objectively good. And I, I'm just not going to be one of those people who's like, I don't know. 
Like, no, I get this one thing. I think everyone deserves to have their one thing that's like, I'm really good at this. Yeah. So I know what I'm doing is good, but whether or not my audience is always going to crack up as, you know, it's hit or miss. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every audience is going to be different. Um, and just to kind of backtrack real quick, for those of you who don't know, the Riff mic is a once a, a month mic that we do here at DCC, uh, hosted by Lauren Davis. And it is a stand-up's worst nightmare and an improviser's most thrilling experience um, where she creates fake set lists kind of on the fly for these stand-ups. So instead of getting to do your actual material at the open mic, you have to improvise a set. Um, I'm still too scared to do it. It's scary. It's scary um but i i do think it is it is very fun you, sh you can check out the dallas-comedyclub.com uh to find out when the next one is going to be mm -hmm. all right we're going to transition now i want to ask you uh, some fun okay. fun dumb questions okay. so don't take these too seriously okay um i want to ask if you could insert yourself into any television show or movie in history anyone which would it be? And it's not like you're going to take over playing the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Right. There's just suddenly a new character in this world played by you. Oh. I know. I think Shit's Creek. Oh, good choice. I think Shit's Creek is probably the best thing that's been on TV. And I'm also a huge Office fan. Mm -hmm. And also to insert yourself into, like, the cast of The Office. But I think that... I think that the, what happened with Schitt's Creek was kind of magical, and I think it was some of the best writing that's ever been on TV. And it it created an 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 arc for all of these people who were so complex and kind of kind of the same thing as Michael Scott. Like in like at first you're like, oh my god, this is so annoying. At the end you're like, oh, I get who he was, and I I felt that way about all those characters, and I just kind of am like, oh yes, to insert myself into 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 that would have been into Schitt's Creek, I think. Damn, that's a good mm -hmm. answer. Yeah. Oh, I love Schitt's Creek. Um, okay, if you uh, could have any song play when you walk into a room, mm. like you enter the room, this song just immediately kicks okay, on. Okay, so my name is Lucy, and so I really think the theme to I Love Lucy is the best theme song, yep. and that's what we played. That was my recessional song at my wedding was <laughs> da, 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 da. yeah I think that's the greatest intro that you could that's the best thing to to play when I is that what you, you come in. out to when you when you do no, stand up <laughs> what did I do oh when when I when I had a real show and they asked me I want I did push it by salt and pepper because oh that's a good one too. that also kind of takes me back to June junior high because yeah. I was in junior high when that song came out it takes me back to that and it just kind of you know nostalgic yeah uh do you consider yourself lucky yes why yes because i think we've got to stop fetishizing hard work i think we have to stop being like i got here with hard work yes everyone works hard but you i i have the things in my life because of pure circumstance yeah you know, uh, and and things that happened to me that at the time were really, really awful provided, you know, a, a catalyst for something else in my life. And I didn't work to get those things. I didn't work to have the life I had before. I didn't, I was lucky enough to be born into a family of performers, mm -hmm. you know. And yeah, there are plenty of people who grow up in families and they aren't anything like their families and, and they move, but... No, I'm incredibly, I'm incredibly fortunate and lucky. And 
and I think yeah, I've made some bad choices, but I think everyone has. But yeah. but yeah, I think I'm a, I I think incredibly to to be in a position where I get to do stand up and improv two three times a week in a and own a home with a husband and a healthy child. Like, come on, I you th- I didn't do bitch. that. Yeah. I <laughs> I didn't do that by myself. So. Yeah. Um, okay, so if you could choose, if you had to choose, rather, if you had to choose today, what would the title of your autobiography be? Oh, I've thought about this, and now I can't remember. I think every performer has thought about what the name oh, of the I've, autobiography well, would be. Well, <laughs> I've thought about what my Netflix special would be Her, called. Okay, that's, so I'll take if, that, Netflix special. Um, oh, I had it. Hold on. It was, um, I think it was Sorority Bitch. I think it was something <laughs> like that. Because that's another thing when people find out, they're like, you weren't a sorority? And I'm like, I was. Um, and there's a lot of comedy that comes out of that yeah. as well. But, yeah, I think I've jotted down two or three, and now I feel stupid that I can't remember. I them. like sorority, bitch. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. What are three pieces of art, whether it be a TV show, a movie, a book, literally like a Rothko painting, um, that you would recommend to somebody who's starting out in comedy? Oh, okay. So there's a great documentary uh, about Del Close on Netflix. And um, so I would highly recommend that if anyone's like, oh, I'm curious about improv. I would say that. <clears throat> Let me think. What else? Oh, there's there's a, so many improv books. And there's so much on YouTube. Gosh, I don't know. I just think you have to be, you just have to consume comedy. Yeah. And I, 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 however, whatever that means to you, because I think you can uh, get a lot from different, you know, different phases of comedy. There are a lot of comics that are super controversial and you can still learn a lot from them. There, uh, there are a lot of comedians who um, now looking back are very problematic and but there is a history there and you still need to kind of know the history And we're lucky enough to, you know, you look at someone like Lenny Bruce, who was so controversial for his time. But you, if you go back and you listen to, to what he was doing in the fifties and sixties, it it's it's stuff that's relevant right now. Yeah. So um, I think you just have to consume comedy and whatever it is that you want to find. The thing about improv, it's hard to find improv. (laughs) Because everything you can find on YouTube, it'll be like, uh, you know. From the back of the theater. It's from like, it's like Jeff's level one improv showcase. And yeah. it's so terrible. But you can find some old UCB stuff and you can find, you know, some improv that has the, the four original UCB founders yeah. in it. And just like going and out. You can find asshat stuff. And, and there's really great, this, but... When you can find some good documentaries, the documentary yeah. about Del Close is really is really fantastic. All right. I'm going to put that down for, mm-hmm. for all of our wonderful uh, listeners out there. Um, okay, so now we're going to move into the, the one-word answers only. Okay. This is always okay. everyone's hardest. Right. It's so hard for people to answer in one word. I, okay. I want to encourage you to really try. One okay. word, okay? In one word, what is your idea of misery? Loneliness. In one word, what is your idea of pure bliss? Laughter. In one word, what or who is your biggest inspiration? My mother. In one word, what is your biggest vice? Food. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you ask for permission or for forgiveness? 
Forgiveness. It's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And then what one word best describes you and your brand of comedy? Narrative. Nice. These were not funny answers, Kim. They're not I am supposed not, to be. I am not giving funny answers. It doesn't have to be funny. That's it's supposed thing. to be a little peek you into know, Lucy. I know, but you know, like, I... I am not, like, there are a lot of comics who like really obscure comedy and like really weird, dark comedy and the kind that is very avant-garde. And I am never like that. Mm -hmm. And I also am weirdly like, I don't, I don't like pranks. And, and I'm always like, well, I just want to say what I mean. I'm not, that's why I was, that's why I was single for so long. I'm a terrible flirt. Like, I can't go back and forth, like, casually. Like, if you ask me a question, I'm going to be very serious about my answer. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no fucking banter. There's yeah. no time for banter. I, I don't Let's have get time to it. Well, Lucy, thank you so much for chatting with me about uh, all of this. I feel like I know you so much better now. Um, I want to end the episode with doing about uh, five to ten minutes of some improv with okay, you if you're up try. for it. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's. What do you? What sort of suggestion should we get? Do we want um, a location, a relationship, mm. profession, a starting line? What do, What do you want to go with? Let's just go with. Let's go with the location. All right, great. Uh, similar to your club team. Uh, Y'all get a location mm -hmm. yeah. for the murder mystery. So uh, it looks like our lo our location is church. Church. Oh, okay. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Uh, yes. Uh, please continue. Father, are you, are you okay? You seem a little nervous. I'm new. Oh, uh, uh, well, um, I'm gonna be honest. I, I feel like I I might need um, someone with a bit more experience. I've I've sent quite a bit. So well, I don't know if you noticed before you walked in. Uh, it clearly states in training above my uh, above this booth. Yes, yes. Um, I I will be honest. I um I did not read that sign, but um, well, unfortunately, I'm the only one here today. It's a very it's it it's a slow day, and uh, I'm I'm just finishing. So um, if you, I mean I but I listen. I passed all the tests. I, I did all the things. I'm I'm completely very capable of taking your confession right now. So just lay it on me. Uh, I think I may have murdered my mom. Um, and, and and it do doesn't sound as bad as as it sounds. That sounds bad. I know it sounds bad, but I um I, um, God, I um, I shared I shared a, a deep secret with my mother, and then she uh, had a. A heart episode and did not recover. Okay, well, I'm gonna need to know what that deep dart secret. I don't is. know if I feel comfortable sharing it with. Oh, a you can definitely, training. you can definitely. I told, I've done all the things. I went through preschool. All right, all right, all right, all right. Um, Father, I think I need to. You know what? Why don't you share something about yourself first, and that'll make me feel more safe to share something oh, deep and well, dark with I you. Well, I am a man of God, mm -hmm. and um, you know, I. It's just always been my dream to be a priest. Thank you for asking, by the way, because no one ever really asks me why I decided to be a priest. So let me just go. I'll just go back to the very beginning. Yeah, so sure. when I was a child, um, I was I was very inspired uh, by by the priest in in my church. And then when I was eight, I was an altar boy. Now I don't know if you have seen the uh, altar boys used to be very very different um, in in my day. And I, I was very inspired and called by the Lord um, to do this. And my parents were very upset because. Um, 
you see, they were Jewish. And um, I had made the choice very early to come to the Catholic church. Um, and so it, I was not supported in here. Are, are you still there? I'm, I'm No, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, I'm, so, um, I, I, you know, I, I honestly, it's you just sound like such a good person and it's making me feel more nervous about telling you my, my deep, dark oh, secret. Well, you um, don't need to worry at all because I... I um I am here to 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 listen to you uh mm-hmm. my my sister and I am I'm here to to comfort you in times of crisis that is what the church is for um right. you know I, I I slept with my sister's husband Oh, I thought you were going to say you slept with your sister. No, I would God, not no, I was no. not prepared for that. Okay, well I it's it's not that bad. I I you know, I told my mother, and I, I, I thought it would be cleansing. It would be good. I, I had to get it off my chest, and I was feeling very guilty. And um, I'm genuinely terrified of my sister. And um, what's she like? Well, uh, she's a seventh grade math teacher. So scary, um, hard woman. Uh, and you know, I, I just, I always felt a connection with with her with her husband, and and. You know, they've been having marital problems. And I know this is me trying to justify it. I understand that. It and absolutely I can, is. Yeah, I can feel your hate glare from through the through the wood, honestly. I, I don't hate you. I'm just very disappointed. God is just dis- disappointed. All right. Well, my mother was also disappointed. And I, I feel incredibly guilty now for several, several reasons. You know, I... I slept with my sister's husband and my mother is had a heart attack and died after I told her and now I I feel like I shouldn't be allowed near my family honestly um so this is not in my training manual um so I'm gonna need to call someone else okay. but okay um I can wait it's okay fine. okay yes this is father Seamus father Seamus here uh, uh, yes, Father. Um, so I, this is my first day doing oh, confessionals. Um, I have a woman, um, and she has slept with her, with her sister's husband, and the mother had a heart attack. This was not in my training, and I'm not quite sure. I know that you are tier two support. Yes. Um, could I, I don't, I don't know. Listen, if- Father, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I think that's Judy. And uh, Judy comes in about once a month, and she says the same confession. And I'm gonna be honest with you; it's total fucking bullshit. Oh, uh, oh. and oh, forgive me, Father, for cursing. Uh, so it is what, my day off, though. So, uh, okay, I'm so sorry. Uh, so, what what should I what what? I want you to go back in there. I want you to to just fa- face her lies and make her feel so guilty that she has to complain about the lie because that's it's what she does. She gets. Mm-hmm. She, I'll be honest with you, Father. She gets off on 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 lying. She enjoys it. She's she's there to to get under your skin and try and get you to leave the church. Oh, yeah. Wow. Get me to leave the church. Yeah, she's a real nasty one, Judy. She's oh. not good. So I, I want you to go back in there. I want you to okay. say to her, Judy, I, I know and God knows. Okay. 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 And don't okay. call me back. I'm okay. I, it's my day off. Okay. Okay. Shalom. 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 All right. Um okay. Uh, ma'am, are you are you there? I'm here. I'm okay. here. Yes, yes um, thank you, Father. So is it's Judy? Uh um no, no, it's, is it, it's Judy. How do it's, you know that this is me? That, how do you know? How do you know that? 
Well, because you said you were new and that you didn't know. I am. I am. And well, Judy, I've just had some divine intervention. Did from you God. call Father Seamus? I had some divine intervention from from God, from God, Judy. And yeah. God knows what you did. Okay. I, God yeah. knows what you did. All right. And God knows that you are telling falsehoods. God knows. Do you know what God does to liars? What? I figured you would know you've been coming to... Sh- I figured you would know. Well, it's not my I job to know. Ba- it's it's your job to I tell me what's going to happen to my Damnation! Damn it, Father! I damnation, Judy, oh, and I'm gonna need you to come clean. Okay, about about these falsehoods. How do you know they're falsehoods? Because you called. I know that you went out there and you called Father Seamus, and he thinks I'm a liar, but I'm not lying. I I. So I, when did this happen? Then I have a question. So when did you do this to your mother? Um. I'm looking in the log book. How did, did you know I we have a log book it's a here? Log book? It was just handed to me. It's supposed to be anonymous. I have, I have a log book of Judy was here uh one month ago, two weeks ago, it all with the same compl- that you killed your mother. So let's okay. hear it. All right, fine. You know what? Fine. I didn't I didn't I I I got nothing else going on on a Saturday, and I was just like, you know what, maybe I'll pop into church, and and just sitting there in the pew really doesn't feel soul-cleansing, and I don't have a big enough and a juicy enough sin to confess, so I, Dr., the fucking Father Seamus, forgive me, Father, for cursing, Father Seamus won't speak to me anymore. No, no, he is, he is going to bar you from, from, from confessional. He told me. It's Where in the, am I supposed to go? It's in the logbook. Where am I supposed to put the logbook down and tell me church is supposed to be about community. It's supposed to be about acceptance, no matter how weird or different or, or hurtful someone is. And so what, how, what, what do I got to do around here? So, um, you know, oh. This is hard. Uh, you know what? I know it's your first day, but it's my besides first a logbook, don't you have like I a was checklist? Just, I was just really thinking people were going to come in with like, oh, they cursed at their mom. And I just wasn't really ready for someone who was a, a, a liar. A liar. A liar. Okay, fine. I said it. I'm a liar. Are you happy, Father? I lie. My. Might I suggest a Church of Christ for you? That might be a better, a better fit. You know, a what? better fit. Possibly like a lar- maybe a large, maybe a large fellowship church. Maybe you want me to roll up to a mega church, don't yes, you? Yes, you want I think me to that- go get lost in the shuffle of thousands of people. That's not a flock. That's not a congregation. That's a fucking riot. I'm I, sorry. I think that they are going to be able to better serve you than. Than the cat, or you know, maybe the Episcopal Church. It's very similar. Yeah, they it's won't very take me. Similar. They won't take me anymore. Oh. I've, already, I've already gotten kicked out of that one. Did you try to sleep with one of the Episcopal priests? Yes. Okay. Yes, I did. All right. That's not going to happen here. How, but yeah. Well, how do you know? I because feel thing. Don't you feel this I connection? I have taken a vow. What kind of vow? Of, of chastity. Say it again. I of chastity. I I am impervious. 
to all of those things because I'm a man of God. Hey, Father. Yes. Father Seamus said you were going to do this. I am not leaving the church for you, Judy. Well, I'm not asking you to. I think you're making a wild assumption right now. Personally, I think this is a wild assumption that's being made. I'm just a girl in a confessional staring through a filtered screen at a father to the Lord asking him to forgive me. You know, you make a good point. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> oh, Lucy, that was so fun. Wow, thank you so much. Um, thank you, Kim. Uh, folks, uh, that has been the Dallas Comedy Club podcast. Uh, Lucy, thank you, thank you, thank you for sitting down with me. This was so damn fun. Is there anything you want to plug, um, whether it be like social media accounts or a website or anything for people to come find more um, about you? So um, on social media, you can find me, um, Laugh at Lucy. Um, on Instagram, and then also that's my YouTube channel where I have a few things posted. Um, every Wednesday, come see your Dallas Comedy Club club teams for free. That's right. Uh, you can have two and a half hours of free comedy and um, lots of different flavors of improv. Uh, this beautiful bar, patio, food oh is wonderful. God. Please come support this local business. So I will plug DCC all day long. Oh, thank you, Lucy. And uh, for and those- maybe if they want to like book me in a show, then I'll have a then I'll have a stand up gig. Oh hell yes, girl! Are you kidding me? <laughs> um, for uh, to be more specific, Lucy is part of the team Third Degree, um, and our club teams uh, perform every Wednesday night between the hours of seven and nine thirty, which is followed then by a club team jam, where anybody anybody in the mm-hmm. audience can hop up on stage and play with our wonderful club team members. Um, Check out Third Degree. Uh, they are, I'm going to say mm-hmm. it, one of my favorite teams. Thank you. I, I truly love the murder mystery form. I love the combination of players that are on that mm-hmm. team. Um, and they rotate hours. So if you can't make it at 7 o'clock one week, they'll be yeah. in an 8 o'clock hour the next or the 9 o'clock hour the week after yep. that. So check out the website, dallas-comedyclub.com. Uh, check out under shows, current calendar, and you can find all of that there. Um, I've been Kimberly Alou. Thank you again for listening in today. And uh, stay safe out there, folks. It's a wild (laughs) world. It's a wild world.